to At Least There's a Dog, a Star Trek Enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go, episode by episode, through the Star Trek series that, whatever its flaws, undeniably has the most dog. We are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and on tonight's show we will be discussing episode 25 and the season 1 finale, Shockwave Part 1. That was... I, I like that, but I have concerns. I did not terribly care for it. Okay. So what, um, what, I don't know, like my feeling was like that it was actually a fairly fun sort of idea. Like the, the whole temporal cold war is kind of cool. It's like they know that they are just pawns mm-hmm. in this game, or at least I hope they know they're pawns because that's what they are. I'm not sure they do. Yeah. Like, I don't know. The Temporal Cold War, among other things, doesn't really seem to have registered with anybody except Archer. Which is reasonable, because they... It, it doesn't come up all that often. No, not that often. But, like, it's kind of cool, because they let you be pawns, but they, they get you, like, really well prepared to be a pawn. Like, they give you exactly where you have to look, where you have to shoot, what you have to do, and then all you have to do is do it. And it's just sort of fun that way, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, um, I don't know, like... Which, like, gee, why don't you guys do this all the time? That way you can really make sure that everything works out the way that it's supposed to. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Also, how do they know how it's supposed to? I guess, I'm not totally clear on that. Like, part of the reason that I don't love this, and I'm about to make a dangerous admission for uh, science fiction and fantasy people, I don't like time travel stories that much. Like, I'm not that bothered by that admission. Like, I know you're not, but uh, I don't know. That tends to be the kind of thing that when I say it to other people who like sci-fi, gets kind of a, what? How can you not like blah, blah, blah. But uh, I don't really like time travel stories. Okay. Um, I think that, and like, that's not necessarily this episode's fault, though it kind of is for being a time travel story. Mm-hmm. Like, there are individual time travel stories that I like, but I find that the time travel genre as a whole is too concerned with being clever and not concerned enough with telling a good story. Okay. And I didn't think this episode told a particularly good story. All right. All right. Uh, This is great, Mm because we have opposite feelings on this. Good. I'm glad you will have nice things to say about it. Speaking (laughs) of telling a story, should I tell everybody what the episode was about? That's a good transition. Sounds good. Got my shiny new notebook here. I wrote too many notes in the other one. (laughs) So this was Shockwave Part 1, which means that we will, of course, have a Shockwave Part 2 next. Our cold open begins with the NX-01 committing its biggest hilarious alien interaction faux pas yet, bombing a colony. Except no one can figure out how they bombed the colony. And it's obvious to everyone except Starfleet and the Vulcans, uh, mostly the viewers actually, that they didn't actually do it. But Starfleet is canceling the mission. So it's up to the crew to piece together what really happened in the time they have left together. Fortunately, this problem looks incredibly easy to solve, because our old friend Crewman Daniels, Archer's old orange juice valet, spirits (laughs) Archer ten months back in time, something something temporal cold war, and gives him everything he needs to solve the problem. Through Archer's newly gained time travel wisdom, they discover that none other than those sneaky old genetically modified Sulevan turned their ship into a Hindenburg, and the Sulevan aren't taking the foliage of their plans especially well. The season ends happily because T'Pol gets to be captain now, 
Archer, <laughs> having been yanked through time once again to an apocalyptic 31st century. Will Captain Archer return? Will they prevent more death and devastation? Who has had more screen time this season, Porthos or Ensign Mayweather? <laughs> it's not even. The star of the show, Porthos, doesn't join Archer's video calls with the Admiral for some reason. But was... Wouldn't it be more fun if he did? Wouldn't the Admiral like to see the dog, too? I... I do think so, given my experience going on uh, video meetings. That's the thing. Like, my video meetings at work, everybody's always very happy to see the dog. You mm-hmm. want to put the archer in a good mood? Show him a dog. Yeah. Hi, baby. We got a dog between us. We do. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's fair. Uh, Porthos was was around a lot. Porthos was around a decent bit in this episode, um, mostly as a little cuddle buddy, which yeah. Archer needed a cuddle buddy because Archer was being all wanksty for most of the... Wanksty? Yeah. Okay, explain this word. You've never heard this before? No. It's a portmanteau of wank and angst. Huh. Okay. It's like really self-obsessed angst. All right, then. I taught you a new word. You taught me a new word. (laughs) Word of the day. Word of the day. But yeah, Archer needed some comfort because he was, as T'Pol said, feeling sorry for himself over his mission getting canceled. Um, But uh, of course, we all know that the mission's not actually going to be canceled. It's true. We know this. So you can't tell this in the recording, I hope, but we just took a break so that Josh could get himself put on the terrorist watch list by Googling around for explosive (laughs) compounds. I was curious, because I know that they had, uh, they were talking about this explosion being caused by tetrazine in the atmosphere. And I was like, is that like anaprovaline, like something that the (laughs) the doctor will give to everyone? Like, no, it's actually a a real compound. I hope not, because it sounds like it would make you kind of flammable. It does sound like that, yeah. Or maybe kill you. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm curious about the various uh, techno And again, Flox is, Flox is probably actually doing medical experiments on every member of the Enterprise crew while they're asleep. I, I think that... The, I think he would, but I don't think he's going to do it, you know, on his own. I suppose. He's got plenty of other critters to do medical That's experiments true. He on. He has a lot of random stuff in his He's got a little, lab. like, uh, menagerie in there. Yeah. Including something that... Uh, something that... I don't know, bit Commander Tucker while he was in there? I just, I think he was just like, you don't want to mess with that thing. Okay, yeah. Because at one point when we were being led to believe that the mission's being canceled, um, Phlox and T'Pol are getting recalled to their various home species, and so Phlox was packing up his med lab, Mm -hmm. which included all of his critters and plants and plant critters. Yep. (laughs) Seems like a space that we haven't really explored enough. The plant critters? His med lab in general. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think... Because we'll he's definitely this... personalized it more than most of the other doctors have. Oh, yeah, it's definitely his own. Well, well I'm sure we'll get to see more of it. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah, so about this episode, um, yeah, it was a pretty good summary of it, I think. Yeah. Um, we have my no... summaries are good. You know, <laughs> we have not watched part two. Uh, we don't plan to until we get close to recording the episode. Um, so we don't know how this is going to turn out. Um, I mean, there are things that we can probably guess, given that there is another season and Scott Bakula is in it. Mm-hmm. We can guess that they're going to get Archer back. Yep. Um, and no one in the main cast is going to die, and the timeline isn't going to be destroyed and lead to the heat death of the universe. These are all things that we can guess, but we don't know how they're going to get there. Yeah. Um... 
So interestingly, it's something I hadn't realized until I, I saw it. This is actually the first Star Trek series to end its first season on a cliffhanger. Really? Yeah. Like, I think Voyager didn't end its first season on a cliffhanger because they ran out of budget. Their first season was actually... Well, they actually... were clearly running out of budget in some areas. I, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, they had a lot of really, you know, expensive effects. And then there was just one thing where, where uh, Enterprise, like, shoots the cloaked Suleban ship and stuff falls from the ceiling that was just like, wow, that's just, like, cheap bedsheet green screen level yeah. uh, there. <laughs> Did you guys just, like, throw some powder into the air to complete that effect? Is that just a... Uh... Like an animated JPEG of uh, debris <laughs> that you imposed on the screen. It was uh, it was pretty bad. Um, they did actually throw, I think, a lot of their CG budget at this episode, though. Yeah, I think they did. There, there were some backgrounds. Mm-hmm. There were some some foregrounds too. Like it was, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a good job. Well done. Um, they clearly wanted to go out on both a literal and figurative bang. Yeah, but but anyway, but looking back to previous series, like original series. You know, cliffhangers well, weren't a thing. Series, yeah, cliffhangers Next weren't gener- a thing, and the show wasn't serialized at all. So. Next Generation, you might consider having ended on a cliffhanger, but no one has returned to that cliffhanger ever since, so... Wait, how did they end their first season? Uh, that was the one where it turns out the Admirals have little creatures inside of them controlling them. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need to go back to that ever again. <laughs> uh, I mean, it explains a lot about Starfleet's Admiralty, but... <laughs> I don't actually remember what uh, DS9's first season finale was. Ah. But, uh... Had Kaiopaka died yet? I don't remember. Um, but I, I think that it just it just did, had an episode that was kind of big, but it did resolve at the end of it. Mm. And I then, think you might be right. And then Voyager, they just, like, the first season was shorter than normal seasons. Because um, they were running out of budget, and they were like, okay, okay, well, we'll just... Put these episodes off into the next season. Like they were going to go meet Amer- Amelia Earhart in the first season, mm-hmm. but then they were like, "Yeah, no time." And so, well, I think one thing that might have been happening here was that uh, Enterprise was still trying to find its footing mm-hmm. and find its audience, and was maybe not having as much success finding an audience as the other shows had, and so they're trying to throw a lot of stuff at us to entice us to come back. Yeah, there's that, but also like this is. This is, I think, the first, well, no, Deep Space Nine, but, you know, this temporal Cold War has been a recurring theme throughout the season. And I think, honestly, they did a pretty good job of spacing it out. They did. I'm not sick of it yet. It's not become the Kazon yet. (laughs) Those were Voyager's recurring early season bad guys who were not that interesting. Oh, they really weren't. Yeah. Um... So I, I think they, they wanted to put a lot into this because they were building up to it. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. And it also makes sense why it looks like they were kind of cutting corners on some of the other episodes in the late season. Mm-hmm. Um, but oof, that, the, yeah, that one bad CG thing. Oops. Mm-hmm. But I, I really want... The thing that worries me, I think that they have, especially like in that last scene there, I'm worried that they're writing checks that they can't cash. What do you um, mean? I am worried that... Because like, they have put themselves into quite the pickle. Mm-hmm. Like, the Temporal Cold War in general is a tricky thing. It's it's cool because, you know, this, this whole show, the premise is Enterprise is less 
this you know, Annex 01 is less capable than any other Star Trek ship we have seen because they are still new at deep space exploration. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it's it's a lot closer to, you know, kind of halfway between today's space exploration and, and the future. So it's they're they're supposed to be underpowered and they are being manipulated by some extremely overpowered uh, mm-hmm. forces. And so they're, there's this fine line. They're in a real pickle where, you know, they can't alone defeat these, you know, like if, if, if the NX-01 wanted to, they could not tell uh, Crewman Daniels and the shadowy figure played by James Ferran to get uh, the hell out of our galaxy, exactly. all of you. Yeah, no, they, they don't have the capability. They no, are... I'm assuming that they're going to discover that they have friends in higher places than they thought. Could be. Um, but, like, they're running into a... Like, they're alive because someone in the future wants them to be alive. And... That's, that's a sticky spot to be in. It is. It, it means that they're running a risk of a pretty big deus ex machina. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we get. That's, that's my biggest fear. Is that they put all this, all this, you know, trouble? Like, well, now not only is the present in trouble, but the future is in trouble, and all these things. And I'm worried that their solution is going to be, oh, but someone else wants you to live, so they're going to use their super future magic, and you're good. And I yeah, hope it's not like that. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, they haven't not not even just Enterprise, but like Star Trek in general has kind of developed a habit of like setting up payoff or leaving setups that don't pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, because they always shoot really high with part one and then kind of come back a little bit lower in part two. That's been my experience with a lot of Star Trek two parters. Hmm. Voyager was especially <laughs> uh, bad about this. Voyager had some like. Voyager had some good two-parters. I'm not yeah. saying they were bad, necessarily. I'm just saying that the payoff was never felt like it was quite what it should be. Okay. Oh, Whoop. bye. We got a moving dog. Whoop. There she goes. Okay. Back to the podcast. Indeed. Uh, pluses and minuses? Sure, we can do that. Okie dokie. So I guess I'll start it off. Okay. Um, I think that Scott Bakula actually did a pretty good job of, like, being upset. And he should be I feel like, like we're damning him with faint praise, but like that that whole setup, like the episode once the uh, atmosphere ignited, the episode started moving with a bang, mm-hmm. uh, and like there were thirty six col thirty six hundred colonists there who are apparently all dead now, and that should upset them a lot. Uh, they have not. You know, this is not the uh, entire planets are destroyed version of Star Trek, which uh, certain J.J. Abramses <laughs> of the world have brought onto us. Uh huh. Um, this is, but it's uh, it's still huge. Oh yeah. And they are devastated, and Scott Bakula, or well, Captain Archer, is taking it personally, mm-hmm. and. I thought that was really well done. No, I mean, the thing that I kept thinking of was that this is very much like post 9-11 and immediately post 9-11 Star Trek. And they said that oh, yeah. uh, they that 3,600 people died in this explosion. Mm-hmm. It's around the same death toll. Yeah. Yeah. No, there. it's weird because there are actually more 
allusions to it than just that. The mm -hmm. uh, the skyscraper, the ruined skyscraper that they yep. were looking at, it was also you know very much a World Trade Center. Oh yeah, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I I think that it was you know well done, Scott Bakula on that. Yeah, no, he does good. Mm -hmm. Actually, a lot of the time, he's just really fun to pick on when he doesn't. <laughs> uh, he seems like a really nice guy. <laughs> yep. um, uh, okay, speaking of the ruined skyscraper, um, I thought that uh, aside from that one little uh, blip in their CG, uh, the scenic shots were really good for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, the background looks, the backgrounds look really good. The foregrounds look really good. The scene where Trip said something about how they were being swarmed by cloaked bees or something like that, because mm -hmm. all the little Suleban pods were following them. Mm -hmm. um, I thought the setup for that was really cool, and they yeah. managed to make it genuinely tense when, like, you kind of zoom away from the ship and see that they've got pods on top of them as well as mm -hmm. as well as underneath them and behind them and to their sides. And uh, I didn't think there were a lot of genuinely tense moments in this episode, so uh, good job on that one. Yeah, I, I, I liked uh, Malcolm's response on, you know, how many of them could we take out? Not enough. Yeah. Yeah. That was well done. All right, I guess I'll I'll say something uh, kind of minor here. Uh, I kind of liked that that line about uh, the Suleban guy saying you wouldn't destroy uh, an XO one You have my word, and you also have four and a half minutes left. It was a, it was a cute line. Yeah. I have my minor pluses. Yeah. The clever one-liners are things we can always note. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Phlox has to find something good in everyone. Yes. That that scene between Phlox and uh, Trip, that was lovely. It was. It was a nice scene. It was also, like, the only scene that Phlox really got to be in, so. Yeah. Good, good that they at least made a little bit of time for him and even, like, gave him a character moment there. Because it's mm -hmm. true. He tries to find something good in everybody. Usually many good things that he finds in everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot left to say about that, but uh, it's a good scene. It is. Um, I, yeah, I just, I put the, that on my notes. It's just Tucker Heart Flux. Aww. Um, yeah, I guess the two of them haven't spent all that much time together that we've yeah. seen. Oh, she moved to a new couch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good. Good job including that scene between the two of them. Mm -hmm. I generally thought that this episode had good action sequences. And much of the episode was like kind of one big action sequence. It did. The action sequences were, were well done. That is very true. I, I felt that it, it had a lot of momentum and I never got bored, even as this is turning into like a 30 minute long action sequence. Mm -hmm. There was a part that was really full of techno babble where I was kind of like, really, this is what the episode is now. Um, uh, but that didn't last as long as I feared that it would. Okay. Yeah, I know which part you're, you're talking yeah, about. You know exactly which part that I'm talking about. It was Archer and Trip spouting off lines that were nothing but techno babble. And I, but I liked uh, Trip's way of putting it. Like, I feel like I'm a chef cooking with ingredients that I've never tasted. Mm-hmm. Still no chef. Still no chef. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other pluses, or is it just going to be me going on and on? Uh, this is more something that I'm glad they didn't do than something they did. But occasionally I give Enterprise credit for these things. They didn't try to make us think Archer is dead. <laughs> like, no one's like, oh no, the captain's dead. We'll long live the captain. 
Um, just nobody has any idea what happened. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't really know exactly what happened to him. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. I really hate it when they do that thing where they try to make us think that uh, the main character of the show is dead when we know perfectly well the main character of the show isn't dead. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of liked it when uh, Jordy got to see his own funeral. That was different. <laughs> that was different. Like, that episode was weirdly, darkly funny in mm -hmm. spite of everything. Yeah. And I still remember a moment where, uh, was it Ensign Rowe that he was with? Yep. Was just hoping and praying that they weren't going to do the Bajoran death rites because they're like three hours long. <laughs> so yeah, it's another thing, like time travel, that can be done so that I don't hate it, but as a general rule, I kind of hate it. Okay. So thanks Fair for enough. not doing that. All right. Um, I, in, I, I was kind of ready to not like it, but I actually rather liked uh, Archer and DePaul's interactions this episode. Okay. Um, with in in the one case to paul trying to convince archer like you're just feeling sorry for yourself stop doing this and she's right because she's yeah. generally right and yes she's gonna make a much better captain than he ever did my final plus is just to paul gets to be captain even though i know it's not gonna last very long it's still something that we should celebrate we should um yeah so i i like that sequence and then I liked it kind of going back the other way with Archer telling DePaul, I just traveled through time and I need you to believe me. Mm -hmm. Once again, the Vulcan science database says that time travel is impossible. I know you picked on that the last time that she said that. Mm -hmm. But they're sticking to it. Yeah, they're being consistent. And uh, he's... Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of funny because like if you look at Voyager, say, uh, if Someone on Voyager's crew was to tell, you know, Jamie or Chakotay or whoever, or Tuvok, like, hey, I just traveled through time. They'd just be like, oh, cool, again? Um, whereas here, they're, like, it's a big deal. Yeah. And he is, uh, I, th I think they treated it well like that. Like, they didn't... It's mm -hmm. one of the advantages to doing a prequel show is that things can be a big deal again. Mm -hmm. Things that haven't been a big deal for a long time. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, I thought that Getting was... to Warp 5 is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Warp 5 is just what they travel at in the other shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all in all, I thought that was, uh, was pretty well done. Okay. Um, I'm out. Okay. Yeah, I liked uh, going back into uh, Daniel's quarters. Okay, yeah. Like, Because you knew that that lock on that door was going to come back. And finding his boppet. Finding his boppet. I don't know why. His little holographic projector, which Definitely has... Definitely looked like a boppet. Which has data on all sorts of starships. Uh, it looked like a boppet. Which is a toy from the 90s, if you don't know I had a boppet. Bop oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. I think I just... I, I used one at some point. They're fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, let's see. Am I getting close to being out? Um... Do, 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 do. remember no cheese you know that's really good that Archer did remember to like make sure that uh, Porthos was going to be taken care and of and I like that Hoshi is going to be his caretaker by the time he gets back Hoshi will know how to speak dog yes oh we need that to happen it's not going to but it can we happen need that to it happen. can happen in our dreams we need that to happen yeah okay I, I think that's, that's about it okay that's a nice healthy list yeah no like all in all like I, I enjoyed it I'm glad. Hmm? Like, I didn't hate it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was very okay. Okay. Um, and, like, 
weaker than the last several episodes. Fair. But, you know, it's fine. All right. Not too bad for an ending of season one. But in the meantime, I'm going to be mean to it. Seriously, what is going on with the makeup? This is not something I noticed. What? It looks so sloppy. I noticed it in particular on the Suliban, whose face we saw up close, where it kind of looked like it had been smeared, especially around his eyes. Like, it looked like he was having a hard time keeping his eyes open because they caked it on his eyelids too thick. Huh. And then I really noticed it on Phlox. His face and his neck were completely different colors. These are things I did not notice at all. So I think he's, I think John Billingsley is just kind of a red guy in general. Like his skin runs red, like some pasty people's does. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a very like pink neck upper chest showing through his shirt. And then his makeup was very whitish beige. And honestly, it was making him look sick. Huh. Like either do something to the light or put a little bit of makeup on the part of his neck that it's ex- that is exposed. But like, it looks like he's wearing a sick mask right now. Fascinating. Okay. So makeup people, stop taking bong hits in the back room <laughs> and get better. All right. All right. Um, for me, my first minus is from the very beginning of the episode. They're getting all excited. They're going to go see a matriarchal society. <laughs> We're going to go and make a society, like, it, I mean, it's not the first time we've seen, like, a, a female-dominated society. I think, I think there's been another chapter. Maybe it was just a feature on the episode. I don't know. I mean, there might have been, but it was probably in a later series. But even so, like, after all the things you've already seen, like, Trip, a couple episodes ago, you were trapped in a sentient spider web. No, 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 no. That's not what my complaint is. Okay. My complaint is... The writers were like, all right, we need to have a society that we're going to talk about a little bit to give them some characteristics, and then we're going to kill all of them. Oh, let's just make the women be in charge. What are you doing? (laughs) Giving trip lines. Oh, it's just... That's what they were doing. It's just like, really? Your throwaway species is the one with the women in charge. Guess so. (sighs) Yeah, I kind of rolled my eyes at that, too. Okay. But also, I was like, Trip, a couple episodes ago, you were in fact trapped in a sentient spider web that spoke through differential calculus. Why does a female-dominated society <laughs> surprise you? Like, surely, you're, surely your horizons have been broadened a little bit since Ryza. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, probably my... This is probably my biggest problem with the episode, was that uh, you complimented Scott Bakula, and I mm-hmm. agreed with that. I did not think the acting was very good in this episode. Okay. Like, from people whom I usually expect better. Like, I thought that Connor Trenier was really shouty in this episode, and I don't know whether that was him or direction or a combination of the two, but just every time he opened his mouth, I was like, take it down a peg, dude. Hmm. Um, I thought that uh, Jolene Blaylock seemed like she didn't really want to be there in a lot of scenes. Okay. Um, like, Phlox was fine. Reed was fine. Mayweather for his three functional lines was fine. Um, the guest stars were kind of there. There, yeah. Yeah. But, like, aside from Bakula doing generally more emoting than he does and doing it fairly well, um, mm-hmm. I thought that from a performance standpoint, this episode was kind of rough. Okay. All right. Well, so that may actually be the answer to one of my other minuses. Um, which might get answered, but it, it's part of the whole big, are they going to 
can they cash these checks they're writing? Mm -hmm. Um, what makes Archer so important? Like, does, does the, uh, does the shadowy man just want Archer because Scott Bakula is acting the best of them right now? Like, is that why he wants Bakula alive and nothing else? He's the chosen one somehow? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm I little, hope that's not the path they're going down. I'm a little but... nervous about this this little bit here. Like, but like I... on the other hand, it's only the end of season one. It's way too early for anybody to be the chosen one. Is is it, though? Cisco was the chosen one by the end of the pilot. True. <laughs> True. They kind of forgot about him being the chosen one or put it on the back burner for a yeah, while. Can't so if they do that, let's hope that they let's hope, hope they go that route. All right. But yeah, there are enough space Jesuses in Star Trek already. Let's not add another one. Yeah, so that's that's that makes me a little nervous. Like, why why is he so important? Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. And hopefully, we won't hate it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the the other big minus I had is just in general. Like, I'm I'm just worried that it's not going to get resolved because they've they've put themselves into a tough situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my only other one I kind of touched on, which is that I thought this was a bit of a, let, a letdown after the last few episodes, but they've been generally setting a really high standard for themselves, so I'm going to choose to look at that as in praise of those last couple episodes and hope that they continue to rise to that standard. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. Which means I think that we have a Kirk Award Do to we want to do the Kirk Award now or at the end of part two? We've been doing it every episode. All right. So let's just go ahead and do it. Every show, we bestow the James Tiberius Kirk Award on the character who spends the episode keeping the Star Trek legacy alive by doing the best William Shatner impersonation. Uh, I think it's Archer this time around. Honestly, I didn't even think about it. Okay. Yeah, it's Archer. Okay. Happy. He's he's the Kirk this time. He's ha doing his job. Happy Kirk Day. Uh. Archer. Happy Kirk Day, Archer. You're probably going to get it for part two as well. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was easy. Yeah. So, um, before we go on to the sort of conclusion, mm -hmm. um, just some notes about the show in general. Uh, our next episode is not going to be a episode review. It's going to be a season review. Yeah. We're going to look back at this last season and talk about some things and hopefully it will be amusing to us and to you and um we haven't actually planned what this is going to look like yet so if you have any suggestions for what it should look like we would love to hear them yeah no now like remember we got that we got an email address just for this podcast at least there's a dog at gmail.com and if there's anything you'd like us to do um you know an episode that you think we missed something about or if you think it would be great if we, I don't know, did a Jimmy Doohan award or something. I don't know. Uh, oh, that would be fun. Just, you know, let us know what uh, what ideas you have, either for this review episode or maybe something to do in season two. Yeah, because it's a brand new day the next time we start. Yeah. Um, we're not promising that we're going to do all of them. Of no, course, definitely but, not. Uh, but if you give us a good idea, we might take it. Yeah, we, 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 we have a few ideas mm -hmm. sort of lined up. Uh, for one... We found the Japanese titles for all the episodes. We did. We found the Japanese titles for the Enterprise episodes, and some of them are good. If you're not familiar with this uh, concept, uh, starting with the original series, when the episodes were aired in Japan, the titles were not always a direct translation. Uh, 
some of them are pretty great. Should we just link to that site that has most of them compiled in the show notes? We can do that. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. Um, it, it's it's good for a couple yeah, of that, laughs. Yeah, that site does not have the Enterprise uh, episode titles, but the Japanese Wikipedia page does. It does. And you can then use Google Translate to find out what's going on there. So far, I think, what was it? Man Gazing at Time? Man Gazing at Time. That was pretty good. That was my favorite one so far, I think. If you could figure out which episode was Man Gazing at Time... <laughs> Let us know. You might win a prize or something. I, I don't think we have a budget for prizes. We'll congratulate you on an episode. Ooh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, that, that's that's your prize. No cheating. Nope. Um, yeah. So, I... I think, think, that, I think that's yeah. just about a wrap. Yeah. Well, thank you, as always, for listening. If you're enjoying this, please tell all your friends and family to join the crew. If you're really enjoying this, please consider leaving us a rating, review, or signing up for a subscription on the podcast platform of your choice. As we just told you, if you would like to tell us how we have brightened your day or any ideas that you have for future seasons of the show, shoot us an email at at least there's a dog at gmail.com. And if you are watching along with us, you get one episode off because we're going to do the season re- the, se- the season one retrospective. But your next viewing assignment when we get there is going to be Shockwave Part 2. Yep. Shockingly enough. <laughs> Take care of yourselves and... Remember to go wherever your heart will take you. Bye. Bye.